Hallelujah. Praise God. Welcome, friends. God bless you. This is a word in season for you today, I believe. And the word to you today, friend, is arise. Arise. Uh, rise from the dead. Be resurrected. Because, you know, Jesus uh, Christ is living. He is alive. And God raised him from the dead. And that is the foundation stone of our faith. And so today, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. As your word goes forth, Lord, here, as we share this time together of studying the word of God, Father, I thank you for your anointing uh, that destroys every yoke, Lord, and every yoke of oppression, every yoke of, of uh, bondage or, or every yoke of sickness father god every uh, symptom lying symptoms that are afflicting people i command right now in the name of jesus your healing power to flow father god situations in families circumstances that are difficult or, or uh, father where the enemy has tried to come in and bring strife or confusion i take authority in the name of jesus today over those things and i thank you lord that as we bring our burdens to you lord we lay them at the altar at the cross jesus because you're the one who took the cross we don't have to take the cross because you endured the cross and Lord Jesus our faith is based on faith uh, that is resurrection faith hallelujah Uh, because you know friend this is something that I believe many times when we're going through stuff you know it's those things that weigh us down and burden us and very often they they you know, for want of a better word, they contaminate our time with the Lord because they take up and consume our thoughts and our lives and they weigh us down and they prevent us from being able to rejoice in his presence, to rejoice at the fact that he's the God of the resurrection. He's the God who gives life to the dead things. And you know, friend, I'll say to you today that if you would trust him with those things that are going on in your life and lay them at his feet and leave them there, and trust and believe him. You know, he said, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has stored up for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. You know, he wants to bless you, friend. He wants to perform his word in your life uh, so that you can see the God of the impossible move in your situation. And I believe that right now, you know, world structures that Um, the world system, the structures that people have trusted in, that people have known all their lives, those things are crumbling around them and and have been crumbling for a long time. You know, our health system, um, medicines, uh, things that people have trusted in the past that had the answers when they were, you know, when they needed help. When someone got sick, they got a tablet or they got some form of medicine and it made them better. But, you know, when people go through hard um, trials in life, life and when there is no answers uh, where do they turn things that are crumbling right now uh, people's jobs their 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 security in work Um, even even what some people might consider to be frivolous things but these things are, are, are so important things like the freedom to be able to go on holidays the freedom to be able to get into your car and go wherever you want to outside of your five kilometer zone you know right now we're all being housed and 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 kept in in this um five kilometer or two kilometer uh, radius from our homes the freedom to be able to get into the car and go to the nearest city and go out for a day shopping to go in your car or go on the train and go to a concert to go even to your friend's house to have a birthday party and a cake you know these things have been curtailed and Not only have they been curtailed, but there's deep uncertainty as to when they can return and when normality can return. 
I read last night, you know, um, a heading on a, a newspaper and it said uh, this doctor was saying that he believes it could be at least a year before uh, normality returns. And, you know, to that, I just, I laughed when I read it and I just said, not in Jesus name. And, you know, the thing is, it's important more than ever, friend, to speak truth in the face of the enemy's lies. The serpent in the garden. Remember when he came to Eve and it said he was more cunning than any creature, including Adam and Eve. (laughs) He was more cunning than Adam and Eve. He spoke lies to Eve in a subtle, twisted way that caused her confidence in God to falter and that caused her confusion. And she swallowed his lies. And, you know, these two, because Adam was there with her. So these two who knew the Lord personally, they walked with him every day. Every day, it says, go back to Genesis one, uh, Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and read it for yourself, friend. God came in the cool of the evening to walk with Adam and Eve. They were naked. They were not ashamed because they were covered in his glory. The very presence of God was living in them and upon them. And yet they were so naive and gullible. They were taken off guard and they were unprepared to counteract the lies of Satan. And so they were taken. They gave away their freedom. They gave away their authority, their God-given authority. And they released the dominion that they had over the earth to Satan. And ultimately, they gave away their lives. Because the wages of sin is death. And up to that point, there was no death in the garden. But because that they disobeyed God's word because they did not speak the truth in the face of the enemy's lies. Death came in. They were eternal beings who were never created to die. But death came in through the sin and they had to leave the garden. They had to fend for themselves among the thorns and the the thistles without the presence of God with them. You know, that's when they suddenly saw that they were naked because the glory had departed because the presence of God cannot be where there's contamination from sin this is why God needed a solution for sin and you know friend the solution he had was sending himself he came himself in the form of Jesus his son on this earth to die for us so that we could be saved from the penalty of sin which is death. This is the world we're living in right now. Satan is the god of this world. That's a small g. He's a false god. And he is ruling by deceit still today. And it's only when people come to know God's word and obey God's word and receive his free gift of righteousness by faith that we are brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the light. And it's by faith, not works. It's not how good I am, but it's how good he is. Jesus never sinned. And thus his blood is the sacrifice 
that made the way for us to be saved and delivered from darkness. He paid the ransom because all of us are children of Adam and Eve. We've all come from Adam and Eve. There are great, 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 great by I don't know how many thousands of generations, great grandmother and great grandfather. We all came from them. And it was because, you know, if you read Romans 5 and Romans 6, it explains it very well. It was because of one man's sin that sin entered into the world. And it was by one man's sacrifice. And that man is a capital M. That's why, why God had to come in the form of man. Because it was a man who sinned and allowed uh, death to reign. And so it was only through a man that the world could be saved and that death could be finally cast out. So he made the way for us to be saved, Jesus did. He, he delivered us out of darkness. But that day, had Adam and Eve spoke the truth of God's word to the devil, they would not have succumbed to his trap and they would have defeated him and he would have had to leave just like he did with Jesus in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. You know, go back over Luke chapter 4, friend. The, the devil came and tempted Jesus. Many people, you know, that word tempted, it has different connotations for them. But what he tempted him to do was sin in the same way that he tempted Eve. It's not about an apple. It's about believing and trusting in God's word. They would not have succumbed to his trap, to the devil's trap, had they spoken out God's word. But they allowed the enemy to bring confusion. And this is what's happening right now, friend. They turn off the news, I'm telling you. Because the things you read and the things you hear and the things you see, they are going to rob you of your faith. And they are going to drag you down. And they will defeat you. That's what's happening left, right and centre. That is why people are, you know, literally going out of their minds with fear and terror. Because the enemy is reigning. And he is the one who's setting the atmosphere. And his atmosphere is fear. Because he himself is the most fearful creature. Because he knows what his end will be. And if you read the word of God and you read and study the, the Bible, you will learn what his end is as well. And his end is very close, friend, because Jesus is coming back soon. Hallelujah. Our covenant, the new covenant that we have in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's a covenant of righteousness, right standing with God, being made right with God through the blood of his son. It's a covenant of truth, the truth of his word in that it is impossible for God to lie. And it's a covenant of mercy, of forgiveness for our sins so that we can be made right with God. And it's based upon the sinless blood of the Lamb of God. And the enemy has no answers for the truth. The devil has no answer to the, the, the new covenant. And God's power operates through this truth that Jesus Christ, you know, that Jesus is his son and that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. That's the, the, uh, the truth that God's power operates through. And Jesus paid the price for us to be bought back from the power of sin and death. So, as he ministered on the earth, Jesus constantly spoke truth into 
or against the lies that the devil spewed. He wasn't in denial. He knew his power overcame all the power of the devil because the devil's power is no match for God. But he gains his power by people giving him power, just like Adam and Eve did. By Adam and Eve agreeing with the serpent and, and doubting God, instead of agreeing with what God had told them and, and speaking that truth to the devil and telling him, get out, what you're saying is not true because God has said this to us, we know the Lord. But by agreeing with the serpent, instead of agreeing with what God had told them, they came under the devil's influence and they gave him their rightful authority. And thus, Satan gained his power. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, if you don't mind, start. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word today, Father, and we thank you for the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Father, the truth always wins out. You want to uh, see turnaround in a situation, friend. Pray the truth of God's word. You know, if, if it's a... <clears throat> I'll give you a testimony. Many years ago, um, Pastor Joe was um, driving uh, on, the, on, his, on a road, and uh, a little narrow road, and a man came around uh, a bend or up the road and, and hit him. And it was the other driver's fault. And um, he got out of the car and he said, oh, gosh, it's all my fault, you know, whatever. And uh, actually another uh, person had happened to be uh, standing by and had witnessed the accident. And he came over to Pastor Joe and said, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, he was totally in the wrong. And um, so the, the, the other person had said, you know, come give me your bill or whatever and we'll sort it out. And that was fine anyway. Um a couple of days later, um, a solicitor's letter arrived and uh, this person who had uh, caused the collision uh, and crashed into Pastor Joe's car was now claiming that it was Pastor Joe's fault and was claiming off him uh, for injuries and damages and all kinds of things. And um, it actually went to court and the bystander, the person who had witnessed the accident, <clears throat> went into court with Pastor Joe or with uh, the the um, the other man and stood up and and lied in court both of them lied and said that uh, you know uh, Pastor Joe was totally in the wrong and uh, the judge was about to rule and um, he was about to rule in favour of these two people who had just lied on the Bible and um, you know, I will say this, friend, uh, if you ever go to court, you better think carefully before you put your hand on the Bible and, and, and lie. But anyway, and if you have done it, you need to repent. Um, anyway, suddenly um, something happened and, and the, the judge asked for, um, you know, a, a break for a few minutes. And Pastor Joe was dumbfounded because he knew he was in the right and he had prayed. And, uh, you know, this was the enemy's assault against him, retaliation, really. So he went up towards the back of the courtroom and he started to pray in tongues. And he, um, as he prayed, he spoke out, Father, I speak in the name of Jesus today that these lies be exposed 
I ask you to expose these lies, Father, in Jesus' name. And I speak the truth to come forth. Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. And I release you today in this courtroom, in Jesus' name, to bring forth truth. And then he continued to pray in tongues again for another couple of minutes. And as he was doing that, he looked down the court and the clerk of the court, who had been writing busily, had stopped writing and was staring up at Pastor Joe. And Joe knew that there was an atmosphere shift, that something was after happening inside in that courtroom. And so the court resumed, the judge came back and Pastor Joe's solicitor stood up and asked to bring back the, the, the culprit uh, who was driving the car and the, the witness again. And he questioned them and uh, as he questioned them, it's like everything had changed. And the judge said, stop, stop, stop a minute. Uh, with this man's evidence and he said you know he went through the whole um, sort of the measurements and everything of, of the road that they were speaking about and he said sure that's complete uh, baloney and uh, he 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 r- slammed down his hammer and, and ruled in favour of Pastor Joe and said you're speaking you know that's that's all made up in a fabrication that couldn't be true and he said judgment uh, for Mr Lyne and uh the whole case turned and shifted, all because Pastor Joe had the knowledge inside of him to be able to pray and speak forth the truth in the face of the lies. And, you know, uh, that's a testimony for you, friend, that no matter what is going on, that's what you need to do. Father, expose the works of darkness. And I'm not just talking about court cases or, or things like that. But, you know, in every situation, whether it be in a family relationship, whether it be in your finances or in your job, whether it be even in your health and your body, there are things, lies that the enemy has has spoken out and has released in your life that are allowing him, uh, you know, where he has tricked you and duped you, um, where, where he has gained power power and advantage over you by you giving him your authority and you need to pray for those works of darkness to be exposed you need to pray for the holy spirit the spirit of truth to be released into that situation and for god to show you his truth hallelujah okay that's a a sideline let's go back to matthew chapter 10 praise god in matthew chapter 10 jesus was um speaking to his disciples here and he uh, told them to go out and to preach the gospel. And look what he said to them in verse uh, 7. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So you see, where the kingdom of heaven is, where the kingdom of heaven is preached, where the truth of God's word and his promises are are spoken out and are preached and obeyed and believed, what happens is the sick get healed. The lepers get cleansed. And you know, the lepers here would speak as well, not only of physical leprosy, but of spiritual leprosy. And there are many people that are living in this world that have been rejected, that have been neglected, that have been abused, and and, and that are holding hearts and wounds in themselves, in their hearts, in their bodies, in their minds, where they are, you know, lepers. They don't belong. 
they they don't feel loved they don't feel wanted they are they've been abused and wounded raise the dead the kingdom of god is a kingdom of a resurrection this is why i don't it's not that i don't like christmas i love the lights and everything and i love giving presents it's not that but you know christmas we're to celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ because he's not a baby anymore he grew up he grew up and he's not carrying the cross anymore either this is another thing that many christians base their faith on oh you know this the, the the heaviness and the weight of all the horrible things listen jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set beyond it and he took that cross upon himself so we would not have to and so he was raised from the dead and our faith is based on his resurrection that's why we celebrate the cup and the bread that's why we take communion it's to remember what he did for us the price he paid for us so that we could be healed and made whole so that we could be forgiven and restored back to god as if we had never sinned and so that we could rejoice in the knowledge that we can go to be with the lord when we die so that death has no more fear for us and that we can live blessed on this earth the kingdom of heaven is at hand i say to you today heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out demons we can cast out demons we have the power and authority to cast out the devil and his lies because of the authority that jesus christ has given us so he told his disciples to go and do this to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers drive out demons drive out unclean spirits impure spirits things that have attached themselves to people it's not just you know some people think of uh casting out spirits as as you know some kind of a a, a manifestation of of whatever but you know there's a spirit of death there's a spirit of cancer there's a spirit of pornography these things are a spirit of addiction there's a spirit of gambling there's a spirit of alcohol spirit of nicotine these things attach themselves to people because they have given their authority to the devil and you know the thing is is that they're not bad people but maybe they have just leaned on on something and and the enemy has gained control over them and this is very important to understand you have the power and authority to cast out those unclean or impure spirits those demonic things that have attached themselves to you maybe it's a spirit of fear praise god jesus gave us the power to do this and how does it work it works by faith in him he said you know you go and do it in my name and it's the same for us his disciples did not have any advantage over us yes they walked with him in person but because of our faith and because of the holy spirit living in us jesus now lives inside of us so we walk with him every day he's living inside of you friend but because many times people don't know his word and they don't believe or or they find it hard to trust because of maybe things that have happened in the past where where men or you know where people have have let them down and so they find it they they find it difficult to trust people Jesus said it's better to believe without having seen. And that we would do all that he did and even greater things. So we are to go in the knowledge that he is with us. 
we must be willing to speak forth his truth in the face of lies and demonstrate his kingdom and his power. His power, not ours. It's nothing to do with you or I. But God always confirms his word with signs following and he is waiting to perform his word for you. All you have to do is what he told Jairus. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. What did he tell Jairus? He told him, only believe. In Mark chapter 5, you know, you could read the whole chapter of 5 because first of all, it's talking about the, the, the man who was living among the tombs. Um, praise God. Where is Mark? Let me get Mark chapter 5 here. Um, the, the man who had the demon and, and, you know, Jesus cast out the demon out of him. Uh, in fact, it was a multitude of demons. It was legion, which could be like a legion in an army usually meant about up to 2,000 soldiers. So there could have been, you know, many, many demons afflicting that man. And he was living among the tombs. Isn't it amazing that when, uh, you know, when the enemy is... is uh, causing turmoil and, and, and angst and pain to people that it's it's always you know around a spirit of death this man was hanging around the tombs because ultimately that's how the enemy works is with a spirit of death and failure like we spoke about in our last podcast but Jesus resurrected him and brought him back and you know he did the impossible because this man was out of his mind he he was chained by people and and they could never restrain him he used to cut himself with the stones and he used to wail loudly uh, around the tombs at night so can you imagine how eerie it sounded this man was 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 completely tormented and yet when he came into the presence of Jesus Christ he was completely restored in his mind to sanity and to peace. Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. But what we're looking at here is Jairus in verse 21. Um, When Jesus had crossed again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, praise God. This man Jairus was a a leader in the synagogue. So he was a a teacher of the law. He was a religious man. He was a, a, a religious teacher. But you know, he came to Jesus. And let's read the rest of it. Now, I know in the middle of it, we have the woman with the issue of blood, but for today, we're not going to read that, okay? So, because just for time's sake, um, he, he, he healed that woman and, and it was her faith made her well. But in verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he's saying that to you today, friend. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of what's coming off the news. Don't be afraid of what they're saying about your business. Don't be afraid of what they're saying about, you know, your normal life ever returning. Don't be afraid of what they're saying about the virus. Yes, I'm sure the virus is real and there, but listen, you have got the promises of the Word of God. And it's decision time, friend. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to be spoken to and dictated to by unbelievers? Or are you going to dig into the word of God for yourself and cling on to his promises and speak them forth and speak the truth of God in the face of the lies of the enemy? Whose report are you going to believe? What side are you going to pick to stand on? This is what Jesus was was speaking to Jairus here. Don't be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. So he spoke truth in the face of the lies of the enemy. And they ridiculed him. This is the cross we have to bear, okay, friend? You don't have to bear a cross of sickness or disease or or pain or, you know, whatever uh, tradition has taught you. You don't have to bear any cross because Jesus is the one who carried the cross. He's the one who died on the cross. But listen, yes, he died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead because he is the God of the resurrection. And that resurrection power is living inside of you. Remember, it says that in Romans 8. The spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you. And he quickens and gives life to your mortal body, to every part of your life. God wants to bring life. And how he brings life is by bringing truth. His truth that never fails. So they ridiculed him. This is the persecution. He said, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement and astonishment. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said something should be given to her to eat. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? I love food. <laughs> uh, my, my family laugh and I have a, a very funny brother-in-law and he says that my sister and I think about what we're going to have for lunch and dinner while we're eating the breakfast. You know, isn't that lovely about Jesus that he said, come on, let's give her something to eat. Praise God. That's what he was doing with his disciples the night before he was betrayed. He was eating the Passover meal. That's what he told us to do when we remember him is to take the bread and the cup, to share food and to rejoice about what he has done for us, to remember his death and his resurrection until he comes again. So, Here in this situation, Jesus spoke truth in the face of the lies of the enemy. First of all, he ignored the lies. So when they came, and if you read it in the Amplified, it's wonderful. It says, you know, they came to Jairus and they said, "Uh, your daughter's dead. You needn't bother bothering the teacher anymore. Come home and start the funeral. But it says, Jesus, hearing what they said and ignoring them, turned to Jairus and said, don't be afraid 
only believe. So Jesus ignored the lies, first of all. Then he counteracted them with the truth. And you see, many people right now are taking the lies that they're hearing on the news and that they're hearing, you know, wherever. And, and, and they're taking it to heart and saying, oh, my God, did you hear what they said now? And, and it's like, you know, where's the faith in that? Is that what God says? Well, if it isn't what he says, then you need to ignore it just like Jesus did and counteract it with the truth. So he counteracted their lies with the truth. And when he went to the house and, of course, they heard the wailing from far off because the professional wailers had arrived. And he looked at them and he said, why are you crying? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And uh, so, again, he spoke truth. And actually, the word sleeping here, it translates to mean, uh, that word sleeping means to yield or to, or to sloth or sin. And it also means to be indifferent to salvation. So that death um, the child experienced was because of the power of sin. And you see, when Jairus, because she was a child, Jairus was her covering, he was her father, Um you know, neither she nor her family had experienced salvation. That's what it said. It was indifferent. That, it, that word sleeping also means indifferent to salvation. So it was because of the power of sin that she succumbed to death. And it was because neither she nor her family had experienced salvation. But that day when her father Jairus humbled himself and came to find Jesus to beg him to heal her, Jairus made a decision that what he had been trusting in up to that point, his religious rituals and formulas, they were not working and they had no power. So he made a decision. He humbled himself and worshipped Jesus. And he acknowledged that Jesus had the power, not the structures that he had been trusting in. And Jesus, you know what Jesus did when Jairus asked him? It says, and Jesus went with him. Jesus came straight away with him and answered his prayer. How many people would see things change in their lives if they only knew the word of God, if only they would not be afraid and if only they would believe and trust God? Jesus comforted Jairus with his words of assurance. Don't be afraid. And he challenged him to not give up in the face of adversity. Because if you're told and, and people have come to you and told you that your child is dead you know it must be fairly difficult to keep a right frame of mind and say no 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 I'm going to believe but Jesus challenged him not to give up in the face of this only believe and salvation God's power to deliver came to that house that day that child was sleeping remember and that word sleeping means indifferent to salvation. But salvation came that day to that household and the child was raised from the dead. Hallelujah! What a miracle! For many of you, there are things, excuse me, that have died in your life. Things that have died for you. Hope. Maybe hope has died. Maybe your strength. Maybe your vigor, your vision. You know, to be able to, to look out and see and, and, and with hope for the future. Maybe your health has died. Maybe your relationships have died. What structures were you trusting in that have failed and crumbled? 
What things were, were a crutch for you and that were comforting you? That always had the answers before when you needed them. The days we're in right now, friend, they are not days of defeat and failure. For those who will believe in God, I declare to you that when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the days we are living in are days of resurrection. Hallelujah. God is waiting to perform his word for you and he will raise those things from the dead if only you will stand and believe and speak his word in the face of the lies of the devil and don't give up and don't give in. You will see the dunamis, dunamis resurrection power of God. You will see it unfold as you trust in him and as you open your mouth and speak and declare the kingdom of God has come to this situation today. And I command those dead things to be raised in Jesus' name. Look, mankind is finding out painfully that his ways are not working. You cannot keep doing the same old things, uh, you know, and expect things to change suddenly. You cannot keep going down the road of sin and deprivation and expect God's blessings, friend. That's the truth. If we want to see change, we must first change. And this is why many people reject the gospel, because they don't want to change. It involves change. It involves a change of lifestyle. It involves a change of mindset. It involves a change of worship and priority to the things that we once idolized and worshipped. We have to change the way we've been doing things. We need to seek God. We need to repent for having idols that we trusted in more than him. And I'm not just talking about statues and pictures. I'm talking about things <clears throat> that were more important than God. Things that are more important than spending time in his word. Things that took you away from church. And I don't mean that in a religious sense. But you know, for many people, it's much easier to go out and, and, and live life and, and enjoy it than to spend time with God. Things that you trusted in with your money instead of tithes. We need to decide to follow and obey him and take a new path. Abraham and Sarah. You know, Abraham's known as the father of faith. And he is our spiritual father, actually, because, you know, in, in Galatians chapter 3, Jesus became cursed on the cross for cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. So we have been brought in and grafted in with the, the Jewish people, with the Israelites, as part of God's family. It's called the one new man in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. That's who we are. So Abraham is our spiritual father. But Abraham and Sarah were barren. They had no children, so they had no heritage. And it was what God had promised him, his own child with Sarah. He promised him a legacy of people who would be more numerous on the earth than the grains of sand and who would shine like the stars and that it would come through Sarah. And for 25 years after that promise, nothing happened. No child. So, Sarah, being a fixer, <laughs> decided to do something about it herself. And she had her maid, Hagar, sleep with Abraham, and Ishmael was conceived and born. But he was not the son of the promise. He was illegitimate to start with. 
Hagar wasn't Abraham's wife. And it caused all kinds of trouble. So God had to deal, first of all, with Sarah's lack of faith in him. And Sarah actually had a mocking spirit. And that needed to be dealt with also. And I'll take you to uh, Proverbs chapter 22. I believe this is a word for somebody. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 10, it says, Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. I'll just read it from the NLT for you as well. It's more contemporary English. Throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. In those days, it was a terrible reproach or a shame for a woman not to be able to bear a child. Okay, in that culture, it was a shame for a woman. That's why you have Hannah, you know, back in the start of the book of Samuel, in the temple, crying out to God for a child. Uh, It's what happened to Leah, um, Jacob's wife. Sorry, not Leah, the other one, Rebecca. (laughs) Sorry, Rebecca. Um, No, not Rebecca. What was the other one called? Oh, gosh. Anyway, go back and look at it yourself. (laughs) Um, Leah and Rachel. Rachel couldn't conceive any child and it was an awful shame and you know the other women would mock them and say you're not a woman if you don't have a child which you know anyway Uh, (coughs) praise God that we're not (coughs) in that culture but anyway (coughs) excuse me it was a terrible reproach or shame for a woman who would not bear a child and you know the word of God is quite clear there just to cast out the scoffer or the mocking spirit and not only will contention leave and strife strife and contention fighting quarreling um, this is something that I believe is is uh, needed in many homes is to cast out the mocking spirit it's the root cause of much quarreling strife and contention but anyway in this situation I just want to read it from Sarah's point of view and reproach will cease so Sarah tried to fix the problem by coming up with her own plan she had you know Hagar have the baby but it led to terrible strife between her and Hagar and it says that somewhere else in Proverbs doesn't it that there's nothing worse than than someone who was once a servant rising up <laughs> to uh, to lord it over somebody else. Um, but later, <clears throat> it also led to terrible strife between Isaac, uh, Sarah's son, when he did come, and Ishmael. But when God called out Sarah's mockery of him and of his word, you know, Sarah was um, in Genesis, um, Sarah was in the tent and she was listening to the Lord speaking with Abraham outside when when he told him uh, you know that I think it's around uh, Genesis 18 19 somewhere there it's about Sodom and when when the Lord came to speak to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah but Sarah was inside in the tent and she was listening to what the Lord was saying to Abraham that this time next year your wife Sarah will have a child a boy and you'll Uh, rejoice and it said that Sarah kind of sniggered and laughed and you know she basically uh, didn't believe God and and God called it out as a mockery of him Um, and so when that spirit of mockery was cast out because the Lord spoke the truth to her and she said no I didn't she lied and he said no you did 
And so that that lie was exposed. And in that moment, Sarah's reproach or her shame was dealt with as well. So cast out the scoffer and the, the quarrelling, the fighting, the strife will cease and the reproach or the shame will cease. And she did give birth to her son Isaac 12 months later, just as God had promised. So in Romans chapter 4, if you come there with me really quickly, Romans chapter 4. Praise God. <clears throat> we get a bit more insight into this miracle. We learn that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That is that his faith in God made him right with God. And he believed that God's word was true. And even though he had no reason for hope, because he and Sarah's bodies were both as good as dead, Abraham was a hundred and she was ninety, yet in hope he believed. And it wasn't a passive hope of, oh, well, if this happens, you know, and great. And if not, oh, well, que sera, sera. You know, many people will say that. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. No, no, dear. You do not want what will be to be. You want what God wants to be and not what the enemy wants. So, you know, repent for that. But Abraham was strengthened in his faith. And his faith did not waver because he gave glory to God. That is, that by worshipping God and by trusting in him, he actually grew stronger. He grew stronger by spending time with God, by meditating upon what God had said instead of what he saw in the physical realm in front of him. God's way of bringing the promise was not Sarah's way. God's way was the way of resurrection. He resurrected Abraham's vigour and he resurrected Sarah's womb, both from the dead. His way was the way of the seemingly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Let's read it in, in um, Romans chapter 4. Uh, praise God. I'll read it from the NLT. Um, let's read it from 13. Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we all are certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing, who calls those things that are not as though they are. Even though there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Remember when he showed him the stars of the sky? 
And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Can you say that, friend? I am fully convinced, God, that you are able to do everything you've promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. That is for our justification. We we were acquitted because Jesus was raised to life. And this is what faith is, friend, to believe God for the impossible. We have to overcome the lies of the enemy. It is not easy because what we see in the natural might be the complete opposite of what we're believing for. When Jairus got home, he saw the mourners first. He heard them wailing. And he saw them, so he knew she was really dead. Then he saw her lying in the bed. But he had a choice to make. He had a choice to believe what he was seeing or to trust in the word that Jesus had spoken. And the first thing Jesus did was put out all those who were wailing. And he only left in those with whom he had agreement. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Put away those things that are strengthening your doubts and take out God's word for yourself and ask him to breathe upon your faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to revive you and give you revelation of God's promises to refresh and restore your faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the word of God to us. In Psalm 119, I'm not going to go into it right now, but I'll just tell you, In Psalm 119, in several places, in verse 25, it says, I lie in the dust, revive me by your word. The word of God revives us. In um, Psalm 119, again, it's the longest psalm in the book, in the Bible. It says, uh, 37, verse 37, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. There is life comes Life comes through the word of God. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That day in the courtroom when Pastor Joe prayed, he prayed the Holy Spirit of truth. And when he prayed that, he prayed life. And that's why the atmosphere changed. In verse, uh, still in Psalm 119, in verse 49, remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. So you see, the word of God revives us. It, it brings us to a place of stability and peace that even though the circumstances in the natural, in the physical realm that we can see are not what we want, yet we can trust God and, and know that he is holding us and that hope That's what Abraham had. He hoped in the midst of there being no hope. (laughs) That was the miracle. Psalm 119 is a wonderful word for, uh, you know, about how the word of God revives us. Um, 
praise God. It says in, in, in verse 105, a very famous scripture, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Praise God. In, in verse 130, I love that. It says the teaching or the entrance of your word brings light. So even the simple can understand. You see, that's what the word of God does because it's spirit and truth. It, it, it opens up the word of God so that we can understand it. That's why the Lord said, I would use the, the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Where was the, the wisdom of, of an 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman having a baby? Would you see that today? Do you think mankind believed it? And yet it was such a miracle. God promises through his word to restore us and revive us. And when we meditate on his word and when we make that the first priority in our lives, there's nothing the enemy brings against you that you will not overcome. Last night I was outside uh, really late for the dogs, um, Coco's last call of nature. I was going to say we, but I don't want to be rude. <laughs> but anyway, um, it struck me when I was outside and my eyes adjusted to the darkness and it was really dark. And then I saw first one star and then another. And I just thought to myself and you know that we can never see those stars until it's dark and the world is dark right now it's scary for people because darkness makes people afraid isn't that right <laughs> in the dark you know you don't know what's going on and, and it, it can I don't like the dark anyway and, and uh, it, it makes people afraid but God, remember we looked at it in, in one of our last podcasts, God told us that we are to shine like the stars. He promised Abraham that he would have an inheritance and a legacy in all the nations of people who would shine like the stars as the multitude of stars. In Daniel, it says, uh, Daniel chapter 12, it says the people of God will shine. Those who, who, who um, bring others to salvation who preach the kingdom of God will shine like stars forever. So we're to shine like stars. And in Isaiah chapter 60, God said that even though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, yet God's people are to arise and shine. So I say to you today, friend, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and many will see his light shining through you and they will be saved because of your faith and of your testimony of how good God is. Amen. And we'll finish with that scripture. It's in Isaiah chapter 60. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go there. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, that's the unbelievers, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your hearts shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Praise God, friend. Arise and shine for your light has come. You are the light of the world. Shine brightly. Thank you.
Psalm 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me, and your hand presses down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your in indignation, nor is there held in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have passed over my head, as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my foolishness. I am bent, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am numb and completely crushed. I have roared because of the groanings of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sign is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also is gone from me. My friends and my companions stand back because of my affliction, and those close to me stand at a distance. The people who seek my life strike at me. Those who seek my harm speak destruction and plan treacheries all the day long. But I, like a dead man, did not hear, and like a dumb man, did not open my mouth. Thus I was as a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in you, O Lord, do I hope. You will answer, O Lord, my God. For I said, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slips, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to stumble, and my pain is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I am anxious because of my sin. But my enemies are lively, and they are strong. And those who wrongfully hate me are many. Those also who repay evil for good are my adversaries, because I pursue good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Amen. The ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name, amen.